Hey, welcome to Industry Night again with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on the deep dive in the happenings of the food, wine, and hospitality scene. Um, so thanks so much for joining me again here at the gorgeous Wine Lair, the private wine club right next to the Ritz-Carlton in downtown Washington, D.C. Now, sometimes this show is a little uber local, but not today. Today we're going not just national, but also international, and I can't wait to get into it. So if you're new here, thanks so much for joining me. A little background on me. I've been covering the food food, wine, and hospitality scene for almost 20 years. Um, if you're local in the DC market, you read the list, areyouonit.com, the online e-zine that tells you about everything happening in the DC metro area, openings, closings, promotions, and of course, every food and wine event. And trust me, there are a lot. Um, of course, you hear me every Sunday on 1500, Foodie and the Beast, the only uh, food and wine variety show uh, on radio. And it's been on for 15 years. My husband, Dave, and I have been doing it, and we haven't killed each other yet. Um, also, you hear me on WTOP. You see me on a lot of local television. And you follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, Instagram, Facebook, X, or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, uh, LinkedIn, and, of course, now, Industry Night here uh, on all the podcast platforms and on YouTube. Um, so if you pay attention to my Insta feed, you know, Girl eats out a lot. Um, and normally at this point in the show, I take you on a tour of where I've been, what I've been eating, where I've been traveling to. But I have a really snazzy guest today, and I just kind of want to jump into it with him. So I know I've mentioned this before, but back in June, I was at the Jane Beards Awards in Chicago. I know, you've heard it a lot, but you got to hear it again. Um, and listen, I really believe in the James Beard mission, so I was delighted to be there in Chicago. But I also had the dream gig. Hilton hired me to be their ambassador on the red carpet, and I got to talk to all the celebrities. So it was really, really cool. Um, but while I was there, um, I got to meet this amazing company called Proof and & Company. And... If you haven't heard of them, Google it, because they are doing some of the most incredible things in the bar world, period. They have like, I think it's six or seven bars on the 50 best, but they're also distributors, and it started all in Singapore, and now it's international. Um, but they're on a mission to cultivate the second golden age of drinking. And we don't know what that means, but we are going to find out about it. So I want to get to my guest who's in studio with me. I met Zdenek Kastanek. That is correct. Right. Thank you. Z, because I'm not saying that name again. Um, he has an amazing resume. Um, he's one of the founding team members of Proof & Company. But he has a passion that is an offshoot of Proof & Company, and it is incredible. Um, he's the managing director for Eco Spirits USA. It is a, it's the first market circular distribution system. That's what they're calling it. I think that's a bunch of gobbledygook words. I don't know what the hell it means, but here's what it is in the easiest terms. It's all about sustainability and getting rid of all the waste when it comes to liquor in your bars, hotels, and restaurants. So. I'm, I'm dialing it down. Hi, C. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me. Great. It's so good to have you. So before we get into EcoSpirits, which is just this brilliant company that's going to change the way we all imbibe um, in, a, in a more sustainable way, uh, nationally, internationally, etc. Um, I'd love to know a little bit about you. It's not um, 
Not all five-year-olds dream of getting into the booze biz. How'd you wind up? How'd you wind up? You know, slinging spirits. It's funny that you say dreaming about. Um, I don't remember uh, if I was dreaming about it, but I definitely remember stories from my parents and grandparents that I used to run around my father's legs in places he used to run because he used to run little uh, hotels around a little region that I am from in Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, small little country next to Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, We've heard of it. Uh, yeah, Prague, I think that most people heard okay. of. Um, and so I kind of, I guess I developed it there. It was always fun, love hustling and bustling and love interesting people. And, mm-hmm. and I kind of fell in love, I guess, with the atmosphere of it. And so then went to culinary school, uh, finished culinary school. Uh, part of graduating in culinary school, we had to pick another subject which had nothing to do with culinary. So I did geography. And then that kind of got me into interested in traveling. Mm-hmm. And I was 20. Wait, when you did culinary school, did you want to be front of the house or back of the house? Well, the, the one the traditional culinary schools in Czech and Germany, etc., teaches you both. You okay. have to do a kind of kind of teaches you the whole hotel type of environment and you mm-hmm. get to try all of the different mm. including housekeeping and, and all of that. Um and so I entered it as a chef. I was hell banging on that I'm gonna be a chef. Uh-huh. Uh but ended up doing a couple of bartending competitions for juniors and kind of fell in love with slinging drinks and combining the flavors. It's in a way very similar to what you do in a kitchen, although it's in a very cold environment rather than hot environment, which you do mostly in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. But finished that, graduated, uh, and didn't really speak English. And so it was kind of the idea of like, in this modern world, it's better to have that language. And so mm-hmm. I booked myself a one-way ticket uh, to Sydney because okay. throughout the geography, it was like, well, it's the other side of the world. Let's see if the water in the washroom really turns and spins the, Go other, the other way. <laughs> And, Does uh, it? Uh, well, I let you guys find out. Okay. Going home. Um, I'm not going to ruin that dream for this. All right. Uh, so went there and told my mother that I'll be back in six months after learning English, and that's mm-hmm. 18 years ago. And I have not returned, and I've been traveling. She's like, where are you? I mean, I'm going home to visit, obviously, for Christmas. <laughs> You're going to be a good son to go home for Christmas, but sure. uh, uh, but yeah, that's been 18 years ago, and uh, that's kind of how I ended up with this in this industry. Uh, and then ultimately ended up with proof and company. So, but what were you doing? So were you in the kitchen or did you, you were like, you got to Australia and like, I'm working at bars. Uh, the fun part is that in Australia, they always, they have a quota of how you get your business or working visa. Okay. Lucky 2006 or five, it was, um, Mm -hmm. they, that year they were looking for chefs, Mm -hmm. uh, and I had my papers. So I got my visa as a chef, although I spent in the kitchen, probably 10 or 15% of my time. The rest of it, I was behind the bar. Okay. So that's where your passion started. Yeah. And then how did you wind up, like, how did you wind up, are you one of the founders of Proof & Company? Like, can we get some background on Proof & Company? Because Very simple. They're from Singapore. Yes. Right? That's where they started. They started as a bar, right? It started as a bar called 28 Hong Kong Street. And so... Which is still it, there. It's still there. We survived, right. we survived COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the backtrack to it is... I was passionate about the industry before, obviously, went to culinary school, but Sydney introduced me to what you would call the craft cocktail scene, mm-hmm. right? Where you really start looking into every single ingredient and you start learning about the ingredients and how you like. It's kind of the chef approach behind the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't you feel that was an international thing? Because like when I think of like the craft cocktail scene that yep. built here in the States and in the DC area, um, 
you know, it's the early 2000s, late 1990s, early 2000s. Like everybody was really getting more specific. It is. But if you look at it from the general perspective, if you would read any like Imbibe magazines, sure. these old school ones, they will always talk about three cities, New mm-hmm. York, London, and Melbourne or Sydney. That's right. kind of the three. Um, and that's, so that's how it kind of was perceived. If you want to have, you know, good CV in this world, you have to work one or two or three of those mm-hmm. cities. So Sydney was just the one I, I wanted to do. But let's say, yeah, Milk and Honey opened in New York in 1999. Right. Right. There's this place called Buxy's Bar in Prague, which no one ever heard of, but they were making cosmopolitans and mojitos and old fashions in 1995. When they okay. Opened. Uh, but yeah, it's still so there. So of course you there. check. You were all way ahead of the crowd. I hear I'm you. not saying that all the way, but it deserves a little bit of a credit because uh-huh. it was earlier than that. But then, yeah, it's, um, that's kind of, what got me to really not only being passionate about making drinks, but being passionate about learning about all the ingredients. Mm-hmm. And so when Proof and Company was kind of in the brink of starting, that's when I received a call from three founding partners, mm-hmm. three gentlemen. Uh, they opened 28 Hong Kong Street and they basically said, we would like for you to come visit us and potentially work together if you can help us with 28 Hong Kong Street and bring a little bit of a European style to it, being European. Uh, mm-hmm. And then all But what did that mean for them? What did they mean a European it's, style? It's, it's, I, I, oh, the easiest way to describe it is okay. uh, if you would go to San Francisco or New York and you mm-hmm. order old fashioned or any kind of drink, it comes with very simple, standard, classic cube glass or pony glass. Certain or, ice, right. Certain ice and then very simple garnishing, zest, mm-hmm. lemon wheel, yeah, yeah, at that time. I'm not saying that's happening now, right. but at that time. Right. And you would go to uh, London, which at the time had a lot of bars in five-star hotels or even mm-hmm. the standalone bars, it would be the opposite. It would be crystal, tall, very opulent type of glass and the mm-hmm. garnishes would be just out of control. 15 different things in it, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of, I guess, what it could be. The other thing, if you look at it, is a little bit of the tools used. So, you know, I remember I learned about tin on tin or the Toby shaker uh, for the first time in New York when I visited. Okay. And Europe was always a glass mm-hmm. and then tin on top. And then mixing glass was a proper crystal mixing sure. glass for martinis. Over here, everything was done in a shaker. So that's kind of, I guess, you can separate it. That the American American style is way more, let's get it done. Let's get it fast. We know what we're doing. We have good ingredients. And our customers just wants to get drink. Mm-hmm. And in Europe, it was a lot, lot more about a theater and, and kind of a show, if you will. Okay, that makes sense. I'm not saying that that's 100%. No, true. no, no. That's my right opinion. here. Perspective. Okay, so you're there, you're in Singapore, you're yep. working at this bar. Yep. But now So the idea was come over here if you if we you know, let's let's meet mm-hmm. uh and if we like each other, then let's uh work together and the idea was come help us with twenty eight. Okay. Uh and we have this idea of launching distribution business because there is a gap in the market. The big boys, if you will, the uh, the uh, the big brands of the mm-hmm. world, they were not bringing a full portfolio uh, because it was really un- you know but not well known market for FNB at that time, mm. uh, and so there was a gap in the market to bring all of the beautiful mezcals and tequilas and bourbons from US and and gins from UK etc. And so that's how Proof and Company or the idea behind it came about. So originally started as I mean they opened up a bar, mm-hmm. but it. It originally started because they couldn't get access to the products they wanted. Exactly. We have like, I think it's at that time we had 600 bottles as a back bar. Okay. Uh, and I, you know, and I don't know the number from, from the top of my head, but definitely would say a good half of it was brought by a 
good friends of ours. Right, like in the two cases, thing, right? The, the, the good thing about Singapore is it's such a hub for anywhere Everywhere. in that region and then Australia and New Zealand, etc. Mm -hmm. that we didn't have, we had a lot of people coming through. But that was the thing. It was like, well, if we, you know, seeing it, how well it was received by the crowd coming to our bar, well, let's mm -hmm. bring, instead of two bottles, let's bring a couple of cases. That's how it started. But the idea from the founders was, let's open a distribution, but do it a little bit different. And a big piece of it was education that the distributor would then help in return for them, you know, the bar, restaurant, hotel, mm -hmm. using the products from proofing company, they would, they would have access to what we called uh, a creative team at the time. And we, the position I was holding and, and a couple of people at the time was a uh, spirit evangelist. And the whole idea was that we would teach people uh, mm -hmm. about categories of vodka, gin, tequilas. We would help with little cocktail menus for special events and mm. etc. But were you, as an educator, was it more about teaching the people behind the bar yes. or the servers? Yeah, it um, was all about the education. The history, the right? The history of whatever the product is, yeah. what it's made, tasting notes, yeah. all the things. No different than wine. Yeah, no different than wine. The, uh, the big thing was though that we wanted to train people on the categories itself because we believe that if we explain to people what good tequila is mm -hmm. then it will grow the market in general sure and, and that will have so we did so you we wanted to help with the communication yeah. with the so patron all, yeah. so all the well no, yes 100 percent. so okay but we did it in a way that instead of you know just going after and teaching about the brands we had as a distributor mm -hmm. we had the approach we're going to teach you about the category so kind of like instead of me teaching you about one specific chablis i have in my portfolio let's explain you what burgundy wine is sure that makes a lot of sense okay so you're traveling all around yep. you're educating people you're collecting all the spirits yep and uh now proof and company is this massive company all around the world yeah, they, the, the offices and everything is still Asia Pacific. Mm -hmm. uh, why? That's where the distribution is. But what happened is. Jason, but the distribution is specifically to that region. Yes, 100%. Right? Yes. Okay. But what happened is that Jason Williams, uh, the creative director who deserves all the credit of his team, and mm -hmm. me, I was just the one watching what they, what they, what they've done. Mm -hmm. Um, but that became so wildly regarded that they, I'm pretty sure it's maybe five, six years ago, they created an actual real um, an, an agency called the Proof Creative. So it still okay. sits underneath of the Proof and Company mm -hmm. um, distributor. Mm -hmm. um, it provides the same service which we just discussed, but right. in a much bigger scale. And so the you know hotel, the, the hotel bar Manhattan uh, was created by them, uh, which has been the world's best 50 since right. opening. The Atlas Bar, which is the largest gin collection, one of the most regarded uh, gin bar in the world has been done that way. Mm -hmm. The Charles H. in uh, Four Seasons, uh, Seoul, and then now obviously working with Hilton here in US on a couple of projects, mm -hmm. um, and et cetera. So it's actually, it's its own agency, but sits within the proofing company. Okay, and then, so you're doing that. Are you the one who saw the waste? Were you raised in a house where your mom was like, don't throw that away? I mean, was sustainability something that you were brought up with? Uh, it's, uh, I, I would not call it sustainability, okay. but I was definitely brought up in a world where everything was reused. So mm -hmm. I have an older brother, so mm -hmm. I had a lot of his clothes okay. to me. Uh, I grew up in a world where milkman existed. Uh, mm -hmm. If you go to Czech today or Germany or Austria, that part of the world, the Central Europe, 
uh, you would still have a crates where if you finish your beer, it goes into the crate and it goes back to store, gets cleaned, sanitized, rewashed, etc. So I grew up in that world. Uh, so I would call it that I grew up in a world of reusing mm-hmm. or using as much as you can mm-hmm. rather than be now living in a world where our phone is specifically dying after a year because we need to buy a new model. Um, right. And we made it all in our heads. But mm-hmm. um, so I think that that was the case. But I think where EcoSpirit started, it was a, a, it was a group decision. I, I remember six or seven of us sitting for several months on Saturdays and Sundays. I just see like six or seven of you sitting around being like, okay, we finished this bottle. <laughs> Next, what are we drinking next? They definitely was a little bit of a, it was a weekend work, right? So it definitely was a beer in hand. But um, the idea was we can see Friday night, we would have a 300 very happy people leaving our bar 28 mm-hmm. Hong Kong Street, you know, tipsy and happy. Mm-hmm. Um, we would have a good revenue and then business was doing well, but then you would be taking out four huge bins of glass, cardboard and, and other waste mm-hmm. related to just packaging. Right. Mm-hmm. And then on Monday, we would sit in office. Some of us uh, would sit in office and would contemplate that we have four more containers going from all around, coming from all around the world, away from Gandhi Bourbons and et cetera, uh, to Singapore uh, to be distributed again and create the exact same waste. Right. And being in a small. And you're like, we brought it here. Yeah. But now what? No, 100%. And if you look at that part of the world, Singapore is number one recycling nation in that world. But they oh. only do, if I remember correctly, at that time, they were doing 12 or 15% mm. of the current waste. Recycling is a whole another, we can do a whole another episode on that one. Sadly, not really. It's just created a world where we're using it as an excuse. As long as I know that I'm recycling at home, I feel like I'm a good human and I don't really go to research what happens to it. And sadly, most of it actually ends up in landfill rather than being. I mean, I have a girlfriend who is in waste management. Her family is in waste management in Montgomery County, where I live. And she says, when in doubt, throw it out. She's like, stop putting shit in the recycling bin because then we can't recycle it. And they don't recycle glass. No. Which is and glass so is, upsetting. It's yeah. I, I mean, the, the problem with glass is that it's it's obviously better than throwing in a landfill uh-huh. uh, is to recycle it. Mm-hmm. But a, it's very heavy. So transportation mm-hmm. from somewhere where it was used to where the recycler, close mm-hmm. recycler is, takes a lot of gas to do so because it's heavy. Sure. Then you need thirteen hundred Celsius temperatures in the furnace mm. for U.S. audience. I believe it's somewhere around two and a half thousand Fahrenheit. Okay. Um, which is a, a lot. So when we're talking about carbon, like carbon footprint, it's, it's, it's huge, huge, right? That the, the best way to look at it is that if you take any material you want to recycle, you want to look at it as what is the amount of carbon I make to create the packaging. Uh-huh. And then you compare it with how much of that footprint I recreate by recycling it. Okay. You look at aluminum, PET, all of those. Mm-hmm. They're looking anywhere. It depends what it is. And again, it, it varies, but it's anywhere in between one to five percent of the original input, which that makes sense to recycle. Perfect. Right. You're saving 90, 95%. Sure. With glass, if you know what you're doing, you have a close recycler, you're still around 50% mm. of extra carbon emissions. So that's gets you to the, once you get close to the 50% mark, you're basically not really helping. You're just postponing the effect of it, right? Okay. Because you, you're basically creating another 50% of what you already created just by recycling. So reusability or circular economy is the word these days. Mm-hmm. It is the way forward. I'm not saying it's the best we can ever come up with. But no, current, but this is where we are now. Currently what we have, we believe that that is the best. Okay, so 
you're sitting in their office. You're like, we have all this packaging and all this waste. What are we doing? Yeah. And we spent a lot of time on debating what material we would use. Okay. And it's funny, we ended up with glass again. But the reason for it is glass is just the material which is most trusted. Mm -hmm. um, it really doesn't leave the older colors. I always say the same it's, thing. It's, we always been to the situation but where... But it's cleanable. Like, yeah, it's that. easy to cleanse. The, 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 cleanable. The, 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 it's easy to cleanse. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's uh, the easiest way to describe it is we all been to the situation where I had my morning tea in a glass uh -huh. uh, after a party in a glass which was used the night before for someone's old fashioned because I was too lazy to clean up and I have nothing else. But right. I know that I can clean it and then have my bourbon in it again right. the, the, that same night because I know there's no contamination. So glass for that reason is good material. The other reason for it is that any producers, suppliers, if you will, in the United States terminology, people who produce the liquid, they trust glass the most, right? Mm -hmm. So it would be easy a conversation to have with them. And well, I mean, if you look at any bar, yeah. I mean, let's just go with a bar and, um, you know, whether it's wine, beer, or um, spirits. I mean, I know there are cans and I know there's kegs and things of that nature, which yeah. is all part of the conversation, but it's all glass bottles. The wine is in a glass bottle. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what the, Patron is used to. 100%. And look, it's, it, you, you get to, there's several companies who do kegs and, right. and all sorts of packaging. What we try to do at EcoSpirits from day one, and that's why it took us quite some time to develop, was several things. But touching on this point, we were definitely hang up on, we cannot deliver a product which will degrade the brand. Mm -hmm. And that's why we ultimately ended up with glass, because the idea was that doesn't degrade the brand. Right. Because if I am paying $20 for my martini and I know that the liquid came from a glass bottle, I have a way lesser of a question about integrity and quality of the liquid sure. than if it comes from a paper box. Uh, right. Okay. So you decided you wanted to do what? What was the, what was the original concept of the, Eco Spirits? The, the idea was to literally to give an edge to proofing company. Okay. We are a distributor. Right. We have other distributors, competitions around us. Mm -hmm. So the idea was, well, if we do something like that, that would give us a great edge because right. we would be the only one. And So you wanted to do, I just want to make it clear to people. Mm -hmm. So what you wanted to do was instead of shipping cases and cases of glass bottles to Singapore, you wanted to be able to find a way to fill up a reusable glass containers that's the one right? thing that's the one thing the other thing okay. is that you look at it from the perspective of if i take a pallet full of 600 bottles of delicious bourbon from united states mm -hmm. that pallet travels eight thousand miles to get to singapore right whatever it is but it's many thousands of miles i trust you uh that is a, it takes a long time to get there. We're mm -hmm. talking six, eight, ten weeks. And it's also really and, heavy. And it's really heavy and there's a lot of gas to, to do so. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing. We wanted to look at how can we ship more liquid in the same space. For less money. So for, well, that's the commercial side of it, which right? we will get to it, I'm sure, a little yeah. later. But mostly what it allows you for is that you're really then cutting down half of your carbon footprint. Because if you can ship anything more than double, mm -hmm. then your carbon footprint's cut down by double because you ship in the same space double the amount of the liquid so wow. that was okay. the one that was the one part of it okay the other part of it is that most, most people don't think about is that when you get the actual glass for your tequila again 
into your bar that wasn't just packaged once and to you that that glass was made somewhere a lot of glasses made in china uh in ukraine before the war mm-hmm. spain is a big glass producer etc so you take as a, as a supplier, you order your glass from somewhere in Europe. It comes to Kentucky. It comes to you packaged. Packaged. Also, remember, all like, of it is ripped apart and right. thrown away. Mm-hmm. Then it's filled in Kentucky with bourbon. Packaged again. Packaged again. And mm-hmm. then shipped back to Europe to where it came from originally. Mm-hmm. And then again broken down because it gets to the warehouse. And it has to be broken into all sorts of different little orders. Packaged again so it doesn't move on the pallets. And then, and then it's delivered out. to the bar. Wow. And then in the bar, it makes 14 cocktails on Friday night. That's 20, 30, 40 minutes of a lifetime. And it's thrown away. Wow. So that glass has been packaged three times. Mm-hmm. With this, that was a big piece of it, is we wanted to eliminate all of it. So we needed to go to a system which would help us to eliminate all of these steps from source. Okay. So what did you start with? Like, because to me, like, when we were talking earlier with um, Chef Rob Ruba and Max Color, mm-hmm. who were in on an earlier show, I great, compared great it, people. I had, yes, had a great I compared it um, to like you know for a while it was really big if you were really into beer or for people who are still into beer you could get a growler mm-hmm. right and you could go to your brewery and refill your growler so it feels a little like that in. Yeah, yeah, in theory, yeah, yeah. but on a much larger scale. Yes. So how did you figure out? Because I feel like the enorm it just sounds so enormous to me. How did you figure out? Like, I don't know how many brands you're doing it with, but let's say you're doing you've got five brands. Like you have globally over one hundred brands already on the platform. We have around four hundred brands on the waiting list. Okay, so we have a hundred brands. Yes. So let's take one that everybody knows. You mentioned Absolute yep. earlier. So let's use yep. Absolute. They are not paying for the show, although they should. <laughs> but anyway, um, so you went to Absolute and you said what? We went to Bernard Ricard um, mm-hmm. once we had the pilot done, right? So first we started 2018 doing a pilot in Singapore. Okay. When that went well, which was done with Ruffles Hotel and they sing the whole stand. But what did you do? What was the pilot? So the first we needed to come up with what the container was. That was okay. the first stop. And I just want to be clear. The container um, is what is taken to the restaurant, bar, hotel, yes. Yes. cruise ship, whatever mm-hmm. it is. That's the container. That's the container. It's used in a multiple different ways. Right. The idea, though, is that it doesn't change the actual experience for the consumer. So right. in the United States, we're using it a little bit differently. In France, we're using it a little bit differently. In sure. using it a little differently. But most of the places, it uses in a way that it actually used the liquid for pre-batching of a liquid, which mm-hmm. is done everywhere today. Or it actually refills the original bottle in the countries where it's allowed. And we're getting more and more countries, governments allowing us to do so, mm-hmm. actually. So we do a lot of work with governments. We're not one of those who just do and then beg for forgiveness. We, we do ask the questions prior. Mm-hmm. And so then, then it really doesn't change the experience to consumer at all because this guy only lives in the back of a house. Mm-hmm. It refills the original bottle and the original bottle is used by the bartender to make your martini, to make your daiquiri, negroni, etc. Mm-hmm. So you sitting at a bar, you don't have no idea that it happens until or unless the bars decided putting it on the menu to talk to the consumers that they're using sustainability and environment practices mm-hmm. to do their business, make their business greener. And 99.9% of the operators we work with, and we have now almost two and a half thousand hotels, bars and restaurants around the world using the technology, uh, they all cho- choose to put it on the actual menu to tell the world that, that this cocktail you drink 
is actually cutting the carbon emission of the creation of it by 60, 80, 90%. I mean, I think that's incredible. I'm sort of curious, as you were doing your pilot program, I mean, obviously you started in your backyard, but is it an easier sell to be sustainable in Asia, in Europe? I mean, are more people, I don't know what the temperature is of that cell unless it comes down to hard dollars. Yeah, well, yeah, it's always, the commercial side of it is always there. Right. Mm -hmm. Lucky enough is that because, and you know, I don't want to get into too much commercial details, but because we ship way more in the same space, mm -hmm. right? Because we cutting down most of the packaging, which now we don't have to buy the bottles, the labels, the cardboard, right? Yada. The commercial side of it is, although it's a green technology, as Bill Gates would say, it doesn't actually have a green premiums. It works out for everyone in the volume chain that it actually is either making your margins better or mm -hmm. at least very even to what you were before. Okay. For the hotels, bars, and restaurants, there's actually a little discount available mm -hmm. for them to use the same product, what they were paying for before. Well, I would assume it's a tax incentive somewhere. Like, yeah, I mean, it, right? like, yeah, there's tax, gotta be tax relief, you're gonna get there, hopefully. Okay. The, 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 the governments will see that way. But really purely just because of the production and distribution savings, mm -hmm. the hotel, bar, and restaurant can buy bottle of absolute in a bottle for X, but if they get bottle of, uh, if they get absolute in this, they get actual cheaper per ounce price. Interesting. Okay. So let's talk about, so you do your pilot program. What is the liquid go before it gets into the eco spirit container mm -hmm. that's going to wind up in a bar or restaurant mm -hmm. or hotel? Where's the liquid? The supplier, instead of sending a pallet, the traditional shipping pallets, which usually fits around 100 cases. Okay. And each case has six times 750 ml, if you take that standard uh, sure. size. They send us what's called an international bulk container, aka IBC. But okay. they can send all sorts of different variations of it. There's a huge world where bulk liquid is sent all around the world. So there are standardized okay. materials and standardized containers, which gets reused as well. So that is a big piece of it is that the supplier uh, fills a thousand liter tank, which is around 220 gallons. That tank gets put on into a container, same as it would be another, you know, 600 bottles on a pallet. Right. And that gets shipped to Singapore, for example. Or okay. in the United States, we are already So it's like the biggest keg ever. Right? Yeah, it's a like, really, really, really large okay. keg. Okay. Uh, the good thing about that keg is because it's uh, standardized, it's mm -hmm. used again. So let's say that, you know, we are in the United States, so United States, we are active in Florida and in California and right. very soon in uh, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. So the thousand liter arrives to Port of Miami. It's cleared through customs. It arrives into our repackaging facility. We have mm -hmm. repackaging facility in every single region. Mm -hmm. And in that packaging facility, we deplete the thousand liter large keg into these. Mm -hmm. And that thousand liter large keg gets clean, sanitized, refilled with X other liquid and then sent somewhere else. Okay. So there's no waste on the way from the distributor. So nothing is ever empty. Yeah. And the big piece is that because we do it that way, mm -hmm. these guys don't have to go back to Sweden to be refilled with absolute. That's the biggest thing with kegs, is right. that if you don't have a repackaging facility locally, you then end up shipping. Well, so explain that because I, I think the layperson would not understand that. So like, if I got a keg of absolute mm -hmm. and it came to me here in the States, mm -hmm. I'm not shipping it back with anything in it. Exactly. Is that really yes. how it's breaking mm -hmm. down? Mm -hmm. So, but now you get a, IB, IBC, an IBC, 
Large cake. A very uh, IBC of Absolute Mm -hmm. to Miami. Mm -hmm. You download it into your containers. Mm -hmm. And then before it goes back, it's got something else in it. There are agencies which It doesn't have to go back. It can go anywhere. Yeah, it can be anywhere. And it's agencies which would come buy it for a fraction of a price or full uh price or half price, depending Uh on the deal you have. It gets cleaned, sanitized, refilled, resealed, and then it sends somewhere else. Amazing. Um, now, to use a real example, uh, in the United States, we're very new, so we don't have an absolute here yet. We have mm-hmm. absolute in Singapore and, and, and in Asia. Uh, so for here, we would use all, all sorts of different brands. Uh, one of them would be a, a bitches gin from cognac in France, for mm-hmm. example, et cetera. So. And I'd like to know a little bit about the sell. How do you sell it to the brands? And then how do you sell it to the restaurants or hotels? Like. I'd like to know the pitch on both sides because you're selling to two consumers and then much like how you educated the bartenders, you have to educate them again mm-hmm. about all of it. So yes. there's so much education here. There is, but the good thing about us starting as a bar operators at mm-hmm. 28 Hong Kong Street, mm-hmm. then moving into distribution through Proofing Company, we mm-hmm. used all of that knowledge to design that. So. We basically would sit around the table and say, what would upset us as an operator? What would upset, upset our integrity yeah. as a bartender? Yeah. Yes. Or what would upset me as an operator of mm-hmm. a venue um, if I would take something like this on and it would not deliver on X, Y, Z promises. Okay. So we design it in a way that it's easy to implement, right? Mm-hmm. The ergonomics of it, how you can handle it, the way that it's made because out of Because it glass. comes in, so for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you can see what it looks like. But for those of you who are listening, it's a plastic mm-hmm. box. That it's a can, single polymer plastic, so it's very easy to recycle. Right. It gets retired. Excellent. Okay, so it's recyclable. And there is a glass container inside. It's mm-hmm. 1.5 1.75. 1.75 liters mm-hmm. in here. So... Walk me through it. Walk me through first with the restaurant side, and then we'll talk about how you sold it to the yeah. liquor people. So everywhere else around the world, we are 4.5 liters in size. Okay. And that is the reason for that, again, is six times 750, your case is mm-hmm. four and a half liters. Sure. So, so it's if, massive. Yeah. So if you are, it's not that, it, it actually, it's, it's funny how if you look at a glass and you make it a little wider and a little taller, how much more liquid you can fit in there. Okay. Um, you would be surprised. It's not really that much bigger than, than what this one is. Okay. Um, in America, we do 1.75. A, because the largest size for spirit is 1.8, which mm. no one, like, I still totally didn't figure out what 1.8 is. There's okay. no one using it. But everyone in the United States, I always say that if anyone moves to new home, they buy TV, couch, and a handle of vodka or bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the standard thing here okay. in the United States. And the handle is 1.75 liters, right? Of your mm-hmm. whichever vodka or whiskey you would do. So we did 1.75 because people are used to it. So if you procurement person mm-hmm. in a hotel, you can easily translate these to 1.75 liters sure. because you're used to them. If you're a European country, uh, London, you can easily translate the case into 4.5 liters because you're used to that mm-hmm. size. So that's one part of it. We've mm-hmm. designed every single part of it that way that it's easy to sell to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. What I have to say though, it's the other way around. Bars and restaurants are actually the drivers of this. Mm. Uh, they were the first one who kept started ordering what would be called a big plastic uh, jar of you know local vodka, local gin. 
Mm-hmm. Is that like we don't want to prorate the glass? And this is 10, 15 years ago, the most progressive, proactive mm-hmm. of would do that. And so they actually, the sell to them is not that hard. It's not happening. Now, life. selling it to national accounts or hotel chains is a different story. Mm-hmm. Four seasons where most, you know, outlooking uh, out of the groups, Hilton's are great, uh, Rosewood hotels are great. They, mm-hmm. they all looked at it from the perspective what can we do as a national account? But for them, is a harder sell because we need to work with them more to make sure it works for all of them, right? Sure. Uh, the brands, the big guys, they look at it as, well, this is great because we can actually cut our carbon emissions and that's what all of the governments are asking us, right? They're such right. a big business that they actually are uh, targeted by the local government saying, hey, you guys need to do something because you create a lot of waste. So again, it's not hard sell for them. That okay. Way. The one hard sell out of this whole group of people who needs to get involved is the supply chain, the distributors. Mm-hmm. Right, um, because the laws are so different everywhere. That's one right? thing. And the other thing is they very, especially the big guys, they have a huge warehouses. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever been in any one of them. It literally looks like, you know, if you would go into Atlanta or any international airport and you look at the luggage room with That's a what lot it looks of like. conveyor belts, mm-hmm. but instead of luggages, there is a lot of cardboard boxes of booze running around, right? Okay. And so they, every penny counts, every second counts, etc. Mm-hmm. So for them, they look at that as like, what is this weird green thing? So that is always the hardest part, mm-hmm. but we prevailed so far everywhere. Uh, I can't share yet uh, who that is, but there's a press release coming out with one of the big uh, suppliers nationwide uh, starting a pilot with mm. these little eco-totes. Okay. Uh, but that is the hardest part. The actual venues and the brands, it's a pretty easy sell. It's an easy sell. It's something they, they want themselves. So. Well, I mean, to me, it makes sense. I mean, I have friends in the liquor industry and I have friends in retail. And I mean, you know, like I'm thinking of my one friend who owns a retail shop and the boxes that they have to break down and, and the glassware that is, you know, wrapped up and, and the, even the books, like no matter what she's selling, it's a tabletop store, but all of it comes with a lot of packaging. so much packaging. And, and it's all single use. Right. And it's all wasted. And then yeah. it comes wrapped in saran wrap and like, you know, yeah. like yeah. all that stuff just goes into the yeah. landfill. And the other part was that we made a decision very early on. Our CEO, Paul Gaby, as mastermind behind that, mm-hmm. we are open platform. And so if you are absolute or that brand or if you're that bourbon or that gin, et cetera, no one sees EcoSpirits as a competition because it's a packaging solution, mm. right? So that was a big uh, decision to make is that our mission as a company is to eliminate single-use glass in our industry by okay. literally turning it into a circular industry, right? right. Uh, and because of that, there's no, we're not competing with anyone. Right, because you're not trying to pick up distribution no. of others. We just- provide packaging solution. that's it and and we provide it into already existing system mm-hmm. we design it in a way to create least amount of headaches and then now trying to help people to make change the mindset that it can be done right uh, and it's moving but so then how does it all right so you're you're not in the dc area not yet. right now you're going to vegas mm-hmm. so like how are you how does it get set up and then how like how does the customer use it? And then I guess my question is, is how does the customer know what they're getting is what they're getting? Like, how do you, I mean, obviously there's some um, honor system because mm-hmm. you're hopefully dealing with honorable restaurants, mm-hmm. but I know that there is a lot of information that you have, um, QR, SAR codes, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yep. 
Um, so at each and one of those carries its own serial number. Okay. That serial number lives with that ecotote for the rest of, for the life of it. Mm-hmm. Each and one of those skins is designed to do 100 loops or closed loops, we call it, meaning that it's filled, gets to the bar restaurant, the liquid's depleted, it's picked up and brought back to the station, which we call EcoPlant. Mm-hmm. It's cleaned, sanitized, refilled, and it's sent out. Okay. Um, so for 150 times, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, we capture data of when it was filled, if actual location of the repackaging facility, mm-hmm. uh, date when it was filled, the actual person who was doing the filling is recorded in our system. Um, the actual, what's called lot number, which means the distillery, which produces the liquid, mm-hmm. they have to capture that every batch, if you will, has its own number. Okay. So they provide us the batch number and that's recorded in that fill as well. So not only that we actually know who it filled, when it was filled, etc. We mm-hmm. actually know exactly what liquid was in there, when that liquid was distilled. So if there's any any question about integrity, we can follow the chain fully through, which is currently more than what you get if you buy oh, a right. cardboard box of six bottles. It's very hard to track. Once it leaves the distillery, sure. it's hard to track. On top of it, it's actually sealed with a zip tie like you would have a normal bottle that you have to crack open. Mm-hmm. That's our kind of crack open thing because you have to cut through it. Okay. That zip tie is has a logo of Eco Spirits on it. It's in our colors. It's just another code and et cetera. So when it arrives restaurant, you have to cut through that mm-hmm. because otherwise, it, you know, you, you refuse to take that if it doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. We have spent last two years working on a new system. Uh, it's called Circular One. And that will bring even more integrity there. And that's because each of the aspects of our tech through the Circular One mm-hmm. uh, software, it actually is now connected into a one Internet of Things network, which okay. constantly communicate within each other. So wow. uh, it, 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 the, in terms of integrity, it's already better than what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to get even better. It's Circular One should be launched uh, sometime next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The very reason why we're getting the governments in Europe and, and in Asia to approve refilling the original bottles and etc. is because they see what that actual system can deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, the great example is places like Bali and Indonesia, and mm-hmm. they have very, especially the major guys, they have a problem with counterfeiting of alcohol because currently the open bottle of whichever you can and then you water. can buy cheaper versions yeah, or whatever, of and refill it if anyone's that shady they can do it already today they can do it right, right. they can do it today right uh because of our tracking we actually are you know helping to prevent from that we're giving them more hurdles to anyone who wants to counterfeit rather mm-hmm. than what the current state is that's um it's overwhelming it's so fascinating. It's, it's been it's been in work since six years. I know, and there's a there's a bunch of uh, very smart people behind it who, who works on all of. Well, we but you're very our good large at... largest team is engineering team, and they're doing a great job. But you're also very good at sharing it. And I heard you talk earlier about some data that you said is you know it's not your data. Other people did the research mm-hmm. and gave you the data, but about sort of. Um, you know, how many glass bottles aren't going into the ocean? How many things are saving? Can we can we talk about yep. that a little bit? Because I think. I think it's so important. Yeah, I mean, it's, the big piece is, it, you know, the carbon emission footprint is mm-hmm. what everyone talks about, right? Right. We need to get to zero. 
uh, as as fast as we can. Mm-hmm. Again, we can all sit here and talk about who caused the climate change. If it's it was, too late, it's too late now. Yeah, it's I, we're already in it. I mean, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm just saying for anyone who kind of you know either feels that the climate change wasn't caused by human beings. Well, it doesn't matter. Whatever. The, the climate change is here, right? right? We can all agree with what's happening. I mean, there's the fires in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. hello. So uh, it, it, without knowing who caused it, doesn't really matter. It's here, right? Mm-hmm. So the carbon I mean, I can tell you who caused it, but go yeah. ahead. <laughs> so um, the carbon footprint is the number which we only be looking at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have worked with Deloitte. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've spent many months to put together an actual overall audit of the technology, how it works. Mm-hmm. And they ended up creating an actual calculator, which allows us to take single use glass mm-hmm. uh, and how that travels through the supply chain and then eco with the same liquid from the same producer and how that travels through the supply chain. Mm. How many warehouses has, warehouses has it been to? Did it travel uh, eight miles between warehouse one and warehouse two? Did mm-hmm. it travel on petrol engine, diesel engine, electric engine? And all of that's combined together, including mm. eco recycling. Uh, uh, it's final days, it's right? final days. Okay. And it basically compares those two worlds and spits a number in percentage mm. of what the carbon emission reduction is okay and that it because it was developed by deloitte it's a third-party auditor they right. actually are sustainability advisors um we can provide this number in a real in a, in a real time and it has been now attested okay, by, tell us the number yeah okay what's the number uh, you built anywhere, it up dude no it's it's anywhere in between 40 to 60 percent just by the technology itself wow and then on top of it we work with a company called green steps group which mm-hmm. is a Stockholm, Singapore-based uh, CO2 mitigator specialists. Right. Um, and they created a two different programs. One of them is called EcoSpirits Forest Program, and mm-hmm. then another one is our Ocean uh, Program, which basically for every time this little keg ecotode runs through the system and finishes the loop, mm-hmm. uh, in the forest program, there is a tree planted on behalf of the bar, restaurant, and hotel, which use that liquid. Right. And if Where's we, the tree planted? Uh, all around the world. Huh. Uh, they GPS located. They tracked for a minimum for four years. So okay. there's no shopping mall built there six, six months later and the okay. tree ripped apart. Okay. Um, and it's, they made it very interactive. So mm-hmm. there is the, you know, let's say, um, Red Skeleton who we work with in, in Asia Pacific. Just by the way. <laughs> just by the way, next door. Um, they get generated URL code, their own website, right. uh, and QR code for it. So mm-hmm. when they use EcoSpirits and they put it on the menu, the bartender talks to the guest a little bit about what, what you are doing and, and what they are doing, why they're doing. They can scan the QR code and take them to the website, which mm-hmm. says you're sitting in a Washington, D.C., United States, and Red Skeleton Hotel, and Red Skeleton planted X amount of the trees. And you can actually, on the map, go and click on every individual tree and it shows you a picture of the tree who planted species because biodiversity is important so it's a right. lot of different species sure. and then which brand sponsored the actual tree uh-huh. and then the environmental impact is actually legally owned by uh the operators wow that's amazing and that allows us to go up to 90 percent of a carbon emission reduction if you combine these two things together okay so for the layperson how did they, do they ask for this? How do they, how, how does this program grow? What do people do to get access to it? So, uh, 
let's put it this way. The first phase was the analog side of it, right? Mm-hmm. To really just recreate the milkman, if you will, for spirit and wine. Mm. Um, that part's tested. We are in 20 countries. We're going to be in 26 countries by the end of this year. Uh, we have around 70,000 of these running. We'll be currently saving, I believe, 15,000 glass bottles every month out wow. of the system. Uh, that part is done, and it's been through our real pioneers, mm-hmm. through our connections in the world, um, uh, through people who would you know watch us on Instagram and, and call us and say, we want to work with it. And then sure. obviously getting first distributors on board, and it goes into the distribution network, and then you get way more connections, right? Mm-hmm. The intelligent circular... Uh, side of it, the, the new system, uh, which we are creating because all of them will be connected, uh, and we will get more of a bigger brands on board. Then the, you know, the, the word will be spread way mm-hmm. more and it will allow us to really scale, uh, without, uh, uh, you know, breaking into the integrity of the, of the liquid and et cetera. But currently the way how it works is that because we are open platform, let's say in the United Kingdom, we work with, five, I believe, the largest wholesalers and, and mm. distributors, they have a sales team, right? Right. And every sales guy would like to have something like that in their bag as a little ace card to, mm-hmm. to use. So it's really now just spread around by the, the sales teams who just go around and do, do their normal day-to-day job. But now they have that right. as an extension of what they already were selling before, but in a glass bottle. Now they have the same liquid, but in circular low waste low carbon emission packaging and then i guess the last step is really the education of the person behind the bar or the person who's serving the cocktail mm-hmm. so that when uh the person is ordering their martini their absolute martini um that they know that they understand yep. the process and we, and we we call it the pioneers so mm-hmm. when we launched in miami we cherry picked 10 venues we really wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're lucky enough that we got all of the 10 mm-hmm. uh, and we trained them personally. Okay. But once we get again into the world where it's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 venues and beyond, we train the distributor team. Sure. And then the distributor team then can train the venues. Okay, so what's next? I mean, you got a ton of funding. Yeah. You got your Series A. That's just $10 million, no big deal. Um, are you looking to get more funding to ramp up further? I mean, what comes first, the money or the politics? Uh, well, the, the money is allowing us to do exactly what we really dream about. And that mm-hmm. is the next phase, which is the intelligent circular, which will allow the real scale. Okay. Again, the company's mission, very simple, eliminate single-use glass. Right. And we can't get there unless we can scale. Because, mm-hmm. yes, I just said 15,000 glass bottles a month. There is around 700 billion glass bottles produced every year. Wow. Around 70 billion of that is wine and spirits. Well, we didn't, I, I feel like we need to mention wine. This can be used for wine too. Yes. That I mean, is, that is the next step. I mean, when I think of cork or screw cap yeah. and the kind of discussion that created, um, I can only imagine what the battle is going to be for wine, yeah. but I assume there will be those who are thinking ahead. No, 100%. But again, we are in glass. Right. So the wine producers are looking at it. Hang on a minute. You don't want to put me into No, I'm thinking cash. more of the ceremony of okay. wine. Yeah, yep. Do you know what I, I mean? The but, pulling of the cork, the smelling it. The, I mean, I'm just saying, everything will just be decanted. It's not that big of a deal. It is. It is not. We've created a decanters which has an actual wine lock. Wait. Mm. Uh, so you can decant the bottle of your house white mm-hmm. and bring it to the table and you have 
a decanter before click on it and it looks like a bottle. So you still present it. Right. Again, same thing. With you the, thought of everything. Same with the spirits. We are trying to think of ways that we don't degrade the brand and we don't break the tradition. That's mm -hmm. why we're fighting in every country for the bottles to be able to be refilled because then the bartender can really use them and then use a guest, have the exact same experience, right. but you're not wasting anything. So for the wine, the same thing. It's re-poured into a beautiful carafe, which looks like a bottle, and it comes in, it's presented, mm -hmm. and then it's opened, and then it's poured. So, mm -hmm. um, But that is a very next step. We just started uh, in Australia uh, with Accolade, one of the uh, most famous brands, brands there, mm -hmm. uh, and we're soon to be moving in, I think, France is the next one, and we are starting discussions here in the U.S., specifically California. Makes sense. Uh, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. So wine is next. Um, but it, my personal little thingy and all of my friends hates me for it is because they, Aussie, they, nobody they, hates you. They, no, well, dislike the idea of that. They can't now have the sparkling water at the restaurants. Okay. Not because I told them, uh, they, they can't, but my whole yeah, thing, but there's a lot of systems you can do sparkling. No, that's great. But the, I hear the, the brands, which we don't have to mention. Um, that I look at it and it's just not my saying, I saw it somewhere, but the idea of that we as a humans ended up shipping water over water to places to where we already have water mm. is insane. Uh, oh my God, so, you're changing my drinking habit right this minute. But the funny thing is that no, we, are, we are sitting, we, we're sitting here and we're talking about how can we save two ounces of vodka out of a bottle to make a martini while we have a dinner and, with like and, six bottles six, of sparkling water no you're 100 right i hear you you're i hear you and then Her. the tonic water would be next for origin and tonics because they come in in 150 ml tiny bottles mm -hmm. and it's but you know glass. i do think so many people think glass is the smart way to go it is but it has to be reused right right lesson yeah. no 100 we love glass we use glass ourselves right but it's the idea of glass being single used. Think of it that way, that you would have your glass of water mm -hmm. and then you would just smash it against the... Right. And okay. then you would have to buy a new glass for your next glass of water. <laughs> It'd be very expensive. Yeah, expensive. And also very messy. Yeah. Um, the show has to end at some point. I could go down so many rabbit holes with you, but I really appreciate you joining me today. Tell everybody where they can go to find more about Eco Spirits. You guys have so many new things in the works, um, some big announcements, I know. Um, tell everybody where they can go to find uh, that. The easiest way to find us uh, would be on Instagram, either under ecospirits.global, mm -hmm. or you can always hit me up on Instagram, which is nomadic ecospirit. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, we always... Uh, I mean, I'm surprised you just don't have like eco spirits like on your chest. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, I, tattooed. I, I, we, we, do, we do have a fair bit of different t-shirts and stuff like okay. that. I didn't wear it today because it would be a proper invoice. Well, you're an incredible ambassador for the work that Thank you're you. doing. Thank you for having us. I appreciate uh, and sharing. Any, any way we can spread a word about uh, single-use, any packaging, but mm -hmm. in our world, uh, spirits and wine is, is very greatly appreciated. So I appreciate you having us. Excellent. Hold on one sec. Um, so thank you two for joining us today. I mean, the last couple of shows have been all about waste, sustainability, and how we can do better. Um, and this today's show really just kind of was the cherry on top, which is completely sustainable, I want to add, um, if you get it locally. Uh, but I want to thank you all for joining us here today. Everything you've heard, you can find on the list, areyouwanted.com. Of course, you can watch this on YouTube. Please subscribe. Any questions you have for Z or me, of course, you can put that in there. You're going to follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, X, LinkedIn, and of course now on YouTube. A big thank you to The Wine Lab, 
there, my guy Ada, who's at the end of the table, Hardcast Media for all putting this together and uh, reach out if you have any questions. So much going on in the hospitality scene. It's hard to keep track of all of it, but when you follow me, you stay on top of it. Um, be safe out there and have a delicious week. Bye.